it caused me to really examine myself and my faith and how I view God because they're willing to face this because of how they viewed God and because of who he was to them. And so it made me want to be like, okay, I need to really dig into scripture and my walk with God and my faith with God because they knew very deeply who God was and that he was worthy of any sort of suffering. But do I feel the same way? Welcome to Historical Fiction Unpacked. I'm your host, Allison Treat. Hello, readers, and welcome back to the show. This is episode three of season seven. And today I'm talking with Jamie Ogle. Um, She's a debut author. Her new book of Love and Treason just came out Tuesday. And I can't wait for you guys to hear all about it. So let's get right to the interview with Jamie Ogle. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me, Allison. This is so fun. Yes, your novel of Love and Treason released on January 23rd. Can you tell me about this book? Yeah, so it's the story of a man named Valentine who defies the emperor and becomes a hero and the most wanted man in the empire. Um, So in Rome, AD 270, um, Emperor Claudius II bans marriage and rumors begin to swirl through the city of Rome that there's one man brave or foolish enough to um, continue to perform wedding ceremonies in secret. Um, Valentine is a public notarius and leader of an underground church, and he believes the emperor's edict is unjust, and he risks his own life for the sake of his convictions. Um, It's also the story of Iris, who's a jailer's daughter, and she believes that if she can just regain her sight, that um, all the mounting troubles at home will be um, just eased. Um, But her last hope rests in searching out Valentine and his church. But the danger of associating with people labeled a threat to the empire is great. And um, as Iris's new friends lead her to faith in God, Iris is drawn to Valentine and they begin to hope for a future beyond the treacherous empire. But when a past debt and staggering betrayal collide, Valentine, Iris, and everyone they love uh, must fight for their lives and wrestle with how to trust a God who can restore sight to the blind, but doesn't always keep his followers out of peril. Okay, wow. As we're recording this, I'm six chapters into this book, and I'm just so fascinated by your treatment of St. Valentine's story. So um, I'm just, what inspired you to write his story? (laughs) Um, The fact that I didn't like Valentine's Day, and I (laughs) thought it was silly. Um, (laughs) I I didn't know the reason behind it, and so... (laughs) obviously. So I was like, this is just a silly commercialized holiday. Like, what is this even, what are we doing? And I researched, you know, I researched that and looked it up and I was really just captivated by the snippets of stories that are there. You know, this man who defied the emperor and, you know, just um, falls in love with a jailer's daughter and just all that. And I was like, oh my goodness, this sounds like an awesome story. Like somebody has written this novel. I want to read it. And I looked all over for it and I couldn't find it. And the story just sort of took hold of me and started just kind of brewing in my head and had to start writing it down. So. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And um, I mentioned to you when we were in pre-recording, cause we had a long time of trying to work out our technological issues today, <laughs> but um, I mentioned that I was homeschooled. And so actually my mom had taught me the story of Valentine to some extent you know, so I always kind of knew what Valentine's Day was about. And I know 
people who thought it was a made up holiday. And I would be like, no, it's not. Um, so what was that like for you to really <laughs> find out about who Valentine was? Um, it was, it was eye opening. Well, and just to, to hear the story behind it and so compelling and to then just dig into the church history surrounding it and what the church was going through and what the early church was like in that time. And then sort of bringing that, bringing context to the story and making it so much bigger than just these little snippets that we have left. Um, And that was just, um, I don't know, that was really encouraging and convicting for me to then look at my own life and my own faith and the faith of the early Christians at the time. And I mean, we all know about the persecution and all that kind of stuff. Um, But to then hear it in like, to learn about it in this um, timeframe with Valentine and that's all being in the backdrop was, you know, it was really interesting. Yeah. So tell me about your research process because I write about the 1800s and the 1900s. (laughs) And so it seems really daunting to me to think about setting a book in AD 270. Um, so where did you begin? Um, uh, there's so much, like the great part about the like Roman empire and stuff is that there are so many people who are just like way into it. And also so many books and documentaries about it. So there's no shortage of information. It's just a matter of like, where do I even start with all of this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started with the legends, just kind of gathering those all up first um, and kind of looking into, okay, what parts of this am I going to need to research? Just try mm-hmm. to do a big overview of what's going on in the empire at this time, you know, 10 years prior and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I just read, oh, I don't even know how many books I read. So many books and lots of them, lots of them sort of revolving around um like gladiators and arena, like that kind of thing. So I was getting all these like stacks of books from our librarians (laughs) and they're named like blood in the sand and like just all these kinds of like crazy titles that are very violent. And I was like, Oh my gosh, these people (laughs) probably like, who is this girl and what is she doing? But um, yeah. And then I, I have a minor in history and I took a lot of ancient history. And so that was helpful. And the professors from that kind of um, were able to answer some questions and provide resources of, you know, at least narrowing down some books that I should look into. So that was really helpful. But um, my husband and I were also able to go to Rome in 2018 and walk through the forum and Trajan's markets and um, all that. So that was really powerful to be able to see that firsthand. Yeah. And with this being your debut novel, um, how, how many years have you spent working on it? I mean, writing like the beginning writing process was probably about four to five years. And okay. then it was, you know, still years after that, that I was several years of trying to, you know, go through it, edit it, and then like find the, um, my agent and publisher and kind of tweaking it all along. So Okay. I don't know. A lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I only asked because you said, you know, you got to visit Rome and that was pre-COVID. So um, that's a while that you were working on, but that's the thing about your first novel. You can spend as much time yeah. as you need to on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what, like, are there any 
things that stick out to you about church history that you learned while you were researching and writing this book? I think like maybe this will sound silly and probably a lot of people already understand this, but um, as I was researching and um, looking at just the um, like the communion aspect of taking the bread and wine as we remember what Christ did for us. Right. Right. We, at least in the churches I grew up in and I attend, it's a very solemn occasion. Like we're remembering, remembering Christ's death and his suffering and just the payment for our sin and how heavy that is. And it's a very solemn moment. Um, but in the early church, this was like celebration. Like this was a party time <laughs> as like, cause they are not focusing so much on the death and suffering as much as they're focusing on the resurrection and the hope that they have because of this, yeah. like our world might be terrible and it might be dark and we might be killed tomorrow, but we have hope. And that is something worth celebrating. And it was a very joyful time. And I just thought that was really cool. And so sort of kind of counter to how we um, kind of do communion in the um, remembrance of, of what Christ did for us. Yeah, that's interesting. And It's something I I know I've thought about it. I'm not sure if it's because I read it somewhere, but, um, you know, Paul addresses the church, um, I forget which church it is, about, like, getting drunk during communion. (laughs) And so it makes you think, well, it must have been a little different (laughs) from how we do communion, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with entering into it with a little more solemnity than, like, you know, huge party scene, but yeah, because that, that's taking it too far. But it was just kind of an interesting little twist on it, I guess. Yeah, that is that's fascinating. How did you find out? I mean, you mentioned you read a lot of books, um, and and you knew about the persecution, but how did you really kind of flesh that out with what life was like, especially for Christians in ancient Rome? Um, I read. I've got it behind me somewhere. Eusebius, he has a lot of sickeningly detailed information about the persecution and what went on. And there are other books about it too. And oh, they're really hard to read. Yeah. They're <laughs> very heavy. And like, sometimes I just, I had to shut the book and just cry. Yeah. Um, at just the cruelty of humanity. But at the same time, it's, it's an interest. It caused me to really examine myself and my faith and how I view God because they were, I mean, they're willing to face this because of how they viewed God and because of who he was to them. And so it made me want to be like, okay, I need to really dig into scripture and my walk with God and my faith with God because they knew very deeply who God was and that he was worthy of any sort of suffering. But do I feel the same way? Because I'm kind of, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And you know, like um, our pastor said recently, it's easier to sin than to sacrifice. And so that was really convicting too, because we would much rather be comfortable than uncomfortable. We would much rather sin than step out of our comfort zones. And that's not the case for many of these early Christians. Right. And for, I think for Christians in other places in our world, even now, 
like we as the American church mm-hmm. in our day has been very comfortable. <laughs> you know, we haven't had to sacrifice much. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So that is convicting even, even for me to think about. Yeah. How did, so how did learning about, I mean, you've already kind of expressed this a little bit with learning about, you know, the persecution, but how about with St. Valentine in particular and his courage in what he did? How did that affect you? His convictions are firm and and we can see him throughout the book. Um, he's very compassionate to everyone, willing to step in and help everyone. And his faith is very active in his life. And so to see that, you know, you look at these legends and you're kind of trying to piece together what kind of person is he based on what the what things that he did. And so seeing his faith really, really put into action with him and, and what he does and at great risk to himself. Um just sort of made me want to be less um, complacent or just more um, active in my church and in my community and, you know, reaching out in, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's amazing really. And this is, it's must be like, it's such a heavier type of story than the kinds we read about in more modern times, I think. Mm -hmm. But what, what was it like? Was it difficult to have a protagonist who was a, you knew, even though he's like a legendary, but he also was a real person. So how did you balance what you knew of him to be true with um, writing a fictional story? Or did it not even seem like a fictional story? I mean, to some extent, he sort of like, um, just looking at, the legends and what he does and trying to piece together what is his personality like based on what we know of him. And then I didn't really have to work very hard on trying to make him like act like a real person because it just sort of happened based on, based on those kinds of things. Um, Yeah. And I mean, I want to be careful obviously because I'm dealing with a real person, but there's also, not a lot to go on, but I, I did my best to portray him right. in, in a good light. And as someone who, you know, is um, good to look up to. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so far, um, as far as I am in the book, yeah, he's a very, obviously a very um, upstanding Christian man who we can really admire the life that he lived. So I, I want to pivot a little bit away from the story and talk more about your story and how can you tell me about like your path to a publication? I know we already said this is your debut novel. Have you always loved to write? How did you, um, how did you become a published author? Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, that's a little easier to talk about. Um, <laughs> I have always loved st- story. Um, my grandparents were storytellers. Every time they they we li- they lived close to us, so they would come down for dinner. Or we'd be over at my grandma's house, and it would just it would just be story time. You know, they would just tell stories yeah. about their childhood and their 
parents' childhoods and all that kind of stuff. And they had really interesting lives and, um, you know, fought in World War II and panned for gold in the Alaskan bush and just all kinds of things and had all kinds of adventures. So I just love story and figured everybody must tell stories. Like this is a normal thing that all people do. And um, I just started (laughs) telling my own and writing them down and acting them out and just um, have sort of always been that weird kid, you know? And um, um, yeah, so as I grew and just kept writing and doing that kind of thing, I never thought that like I dreamed that maybe like someday I would have a book because I'd have, you know, my bookshelf in my room and just kind of running fingers over the spines and thinking like, Oh man, what if that would be so cool if I had one of these one day. Um, but, but I always thought I should probably do something else. Um, so I, I went to school for elementary education or actually started that way. And that was not for me. And I greatly admire all the people who are educators, but I, I could not do it. So I switched majors to um, creative writing and um, that was the best fit. So I finished my degree there and then, yeah, was married, started having kids and that kind of got, I still wrote a little bit, but it wasn't as devoted until probably yeah, I was pregnant with my third and just really was like, all right, I'm going to finish this Valentine novel, going to go for it. And I finished it and went to my first writer's conference when my, my third baby was two months old and I finished the manuscript like the month before. And I was like, I am ready to pitch this thing. And I was not, (laughs) (laughs) I forgot what the story was about. I couldn't even I couldn't even name the main character. Oh no. It's the story of St. Valentine. And I could not even remember his name. It was the worst pitch ever. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) But, um, I got a lot of really good advice from that editor and she just sort of laid out, like find yourself a group of writers and get critiques back and cut 50,000 words out of your manuscript because it's way too Mm. long. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, all those kinds of things. So I, took that list and I implemented it. And over the next two years, um, just kept pitching and querying and trying. And finally it was, I had gone through about every Christian agent I could think of. And, um, God laid it on my, I was going to like, all right, well, I did my best. I'm going to set this aside. And this is just, this is the dead end for this book. And so I started something else. And then, um, God just laid it on my heart. It was like, you need to submit this book to Christy Cambrin and just do it. I was like, okay, well, it's the last one. So I can at least set this book to rest and, and it'll be fine. Like I'll know that I tried my hardest. And so I sent it to her and she liked it. And then, yeah, signed with her. And then a couple months later we had um, a two book contract with Tyndale and it was crazy to go from those couple years of just solid rejections on it and thinking that this book will never go anywhere. And it's here. <laughs> it's wow. I mean, it's just, it's the story of God and his leading and his timing. Right. 
Oh, I and I love Christy Cambrin. She is a delight. I had her on the show a few years ago, um, but we've con- like oh corresponded gosh. since then. So she's awesome. Yeah, and it's amazing uh, God's timing and all the rejection that's involved in this journey. <laughs> Too, like we can make our plans, but yeah, but it was a whole thing too of God just kind of refining my heart through that whole process too, and sort of just putting my hope in Him and not in the fact like, oh, if my hope is in this book, you know, if I get it published, then I'll be fine. But it was more like, no, can can I be okay even if the answer is no? all the way through, which is weird because it's sort of the message of this book too. Can we trust God? Is he still good if he says no? Um, and just kind of having to learn that throughout those, those years too. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's, and that's really encouraging too, like in the right way, not that like, not to just like, keep striving for what you want, but to get your heart in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what are you working on next? You said there's a two book contract. Is it the one that you started yep. before you sent this to Christy? No. So I, I had skipped on to a totally different era in history. Um, but this two book contract, the second book is the story of St. Nicholas. So we get to fast forward into the early part of the fourth century. And yeah, we'll get to see some characters from of love and treason kind of pop in and we get to see what they've been up to, but yeah, I'm excited. That's cool. Um, So you're sticking with old, old history, like, like ancient history. For these ones, yes. And hopefully maybe kind of inching my way up through history. So interesting. So how has that worked? Like, are you already, have you already written that, that book about St. Nicholas? Yep. It's, um, we'll start the editing process next month. So it's, it's done. Okay. So how was that? I'm always curious about this because you can spend however much time you want to on your debut and then it's almost like you're on a, a schedule of when you need to get the other book in. So how did that work for you going from kind of having all the time in the world for the first book to, I need to produce this in a certain, with a deadline? Yeah. Um, it was a lot harder. <laughs> um, I, that <laughs> book was such a struggle um, and I wasn't sure if I didn't know if I even knew how to write a story anymore, like through that, it was, mm. it was tough, but yeah, I mean, somehow God helped me get through it. And I mean, I had to do a couple, um, couple different, um, major edits to it in order to get it kind of have an actual story. But I think I'm excited about kind of where it ended and I'm excited to get into the editing and just kind of polish it up and, and make it, make it pretty. Yeah. But yeah. The, that not having four years or unlimited time is definitely, it's definitely scary. Right. I can imagine. Um, yeah, that's, that's tough. So you actually, 
the first book you wrote is your debut novel, which doesn't always happen. I mean, I indie published one a long time ago in high school. Um, okay. So this is my first tradition, like the debut traditionally published book. Um, and then there were a couple in between there that no one should ever see. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But as far as like actually trying for, <laughs> as far as trying for publication, this is the, yeah, the first one. Yeah. Wow. So this is a question I ask all my guests. How do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present? I think the good, I think it's, especially now, there's a bunch of, there's a lot of just trying to hide the ugliness of history because we don't like it or, um, you know, it's, it's not comfortable to read about. And yet, if we don't learn about things that are uncomfortable, we can we can very easily repeat it. And then we miss out on the stories of the people in the middle of these dark times and these really hard moments of history who kind of rose up and stood against it and became these beacons of hope and light for everyone else around them. And I think those stories are so powerful. And those are the ones I'm kind of drawn to, um, drawn to telling and reading about. And um, I think hearing those stories and retelling those stories is just, it gives us hope too. in these days um, that maybe it's not as bad and as dark as it was back then, but even so, if they could stand and make a difference, then we can too. Yeah. And I think that's really encouraging. Yeah, it is. And as you said before, it's, it also is like convicting that we, we need to be able to, do what's hard and and be willing to suffer persecution. Jamie, this has been a great conversation. What is the best way for listeners to follow you? Um, You can head to my website. It's jamieogle.com. And there's links to my Facebook, my Instagram, BookBub, Goodreads, all that kind of stuff. Um, You can sign up for my newsletter. It's probably the best place. Um, You'll get all my updates on um, what's going on in publishing and what I'm reading and all giveaways and fun things like that. Um, I'm most with social media, I'm most active on Instagram. So that's where you'll find me most of the time. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was great. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Jamie Ogle. I will say that I have finished the book now and that it was well worth the read. So it would be a great way to learn about St. Valentine this Valentine's Day and also to deepen your faith. It really is an incredible story, the story of Valentine and what he and other Christians went through in Rome in the third century. So check out the show notes to find links to Jamie's books and her website, etc. You can find the show notes at alisontreat.com slash blog. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T dot com slash B-L-O-G. Also, please help out the show by following, subscribing, rating, reviewing, and also sharing this episode with someone if you think they would enjoy it. Now, let me leave you with a quote. This one comes from James H. Augie, who said, God brings men into deep waters, not to drown them, but to cleanse them. So keep the faith, my friends, and keep reading historical fiction. I will talk to you again next week. 